Welcome to People Admin's Higher Education Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the upcoming changes to the Fair Labor Standards Act, or FLSA. Now, for those of you who don't know, People Admin is the leading provider of cloud-based talent management solutions for education. My name is Kevin Keenman, and joining me today is Heather Murray, Customer Advancement Executive here at People Admin and former Associate Director of Human Resources at Gonzaga University. How are you today, Heather? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to discuss the upcoming changes to FLSA. Can you just briefly explain what's changing? Absolutely. So as most of us are aware, um, the final rule that was passed for exempt salary threshold is moving it from an annual 23,660 salary to 47,476 annual salary, which means that it is now $913 per week. Um, in addition, there will be an automatic increase every three years. Uh, the highly compensated threshold will also be increased from 100000 annual salary to $134,004. There was no changes to the duties test at this time. Um, there are no exceptions, however, for part-time employees. And employers, all employers, must be in compliance with this new rule by December 1st of this year. And these changes to FLSA affect all industries, but would you say that they are especially challenging in higher education? Yes, absolutely. And I feel the reason behind that has to do predominantly with the higher education culture as a whole. Um, now, granted, this may vary between public institutions and private institutions and systems alike. But that being said, um, higher education is one where there is overall a perceived value or, or status um, with respect to a position being deemed salary or exempt as opposed to hourly. And I think that that is really uh, kind of an underlining driver that human resources needs to be aware of with respect to preserving morale as we are navigating these waters of compliance. And how should these colleges and universities work to preserve morale? I think it really comes down to open, honest dialogue and communication uh, and training. Uh, obviously, with a communication plan comes training, and training at all levels, whether it's uh, with uh, directly those impacted uh, or just across the institution as a whole. Um, we need to train at all levels of the organization, whether it's from timekeeping to uh, new policies, refreshed policies um, that are going to be put into place uh, as a result of this, and, and do it in a way that really works to maintain the, the respect of the impacted individuals, the, the dignity of the impacted individuals, and also see this as an opportunity to maybe reset some expectations uh, from, a, from a performance perspective, whether that is expectations for supervisors, um, expectations for impacted employees, uh, but then also what we can do holistically as a culture. Even if, you know, I, Heather, am not directly impacted, I'm likely going to know somebody who is, whether in an individual contributor role or in a supervisory role. And so really maintaining an open, constant dialogue uh, and offering all different kinds of mechanisms through training, whether that be a, you know, a, an FAQ sheet that's on your website, whether that's open forums, whether it's specific training at the leadership levels uh, or departmental meetings, or just sitting down one-on-one -on -one and talking through what this means 
but also what it doesn't mean. Because at the end of the day, and I think that I had mentioned this in a, in a past webinar earlier this summer, HR really is that culture steward and has the, the obligation to navigate the employee morale. And, and at the end of the day, we are all professionals. So this is an opportunity for us to ensure that as professionals, we are not losing sight of what our contribution is, regardless of the position that we hold to the institution's mission that, we, that we're serving. So we're able to maybe look at trying to frame these conversations and these training efforts, communication efforts to ensure that, you know, for those positions that are moving from exempt to non-exempt, they are professionals that serve the institution. They just happen now to be eligible for overtime as it's defined within the university policy. And Congress recently passed a bill to delay the implementation deadline. Does this mean that colleges and universities can also delay their preparation efforts? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, yes, the, the House of Representatives has voted to delay implementing the rule for about six months. Um, but even if it passes in the Senate, it's very likely that the president's going to veto. So I do not see that being realistic uh, as far as it happening, um, as nice it, as it would be. And, and I know that there's um, advocacy groups that, of course, are, are in support of this, as, as they should. However, um, I would not delay or, or halt on any preparation efforts from an employer perspective. I would move forward as though uh, the December 1st compliance deadline date is intact. Well, with less than two months until that December 1st deadline date, um, what should colleges and universities be doing right now to prepare? I think it, it all comes to uh, comes down to creating a, a game plan or a strategy and really being um, comprehensive with respect to the approach, whether that be gathering the relevant data, conducting thorough analysis, um, creating communication plans, working with key stakeholders uh, and champions throughout all entities within your institution, whether that be academia, um, your, you know, your provost office or um, athletics, student life, fundraising, all of the different entities that make up the institution and really working with those stakeholders so there is a thorough understanding um, not only of the institution-wide culture, but then the subcultures that reside uh, on campus. And crafting communication plans and training efforts um, to make sure that there are touching all the training at all levels uh, within the organization. Evaluating your policies, whether that is establishing an overtime policy to preserve a work-life balance um, culture and approach. Um, minimizing, of course, then the overtime uh, financial burden that would otherwise potentially be incurred, uh, reviewing your travel policy, your cell phone policies, remote access, uh, educating everybody with respect to timekeeping. What is the expectation of a supervisor that is now maybe new to supervising a non-exempt position? Uh, and, and what does that look like? And how, do, how is that changing? In addition to then, of course, educating uh, the employees that are seated in positions that will uh, move from exempt to a non-exempt classification. So there's 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 a lot of opportunity, honestly, for human resources um, to really demonstrate its strategic value to its organization by taking the lead in this effort. Great. Well, Heather, that's all I've got for you today. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing this great information. Absolutely, my pleasure. Well, there you have it. 
best practices in higher education talent management. If you'd like to learn more, please visit peopleadmin.com. Thank you for listening.